Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hey, everybody, it's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! Yeah, total of Alcoholy and Wobbly. Rockin' the Rollin' Rock. Yes, rockin' the rock. Smokin' the rock. How you doing, Ian? Uh, wait, don't answer that. <laughs> what's up with the iTunes? <laughs> I've seen fire and I've seen rain. Um, we do have an iTunes review to read this week. Yay. Do we? Yes. Uh, this one coming, I love this name, it sounds like such a porn name. Billy Diggler. <laughs> ah, I like that. Isn't that the name of the porn star from, uh, Dirk Boogie, Diggler. Boogie Nuts? Dirk Diggler. Ooh. This is Billy Diggler. I, I don't know, I like it even better. It's like, yeah. Billy Diggler. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, Jimmy Carter and his, Al- <laughs> and his Alki brother. Yeah, that's, that's me, I'm the Billy Carter here. <laughs> Imagine Billy Diggler beer. Yeah, you remember Billy Beer, right? Oh, yeah, of course I do. Uh, yeah, for, for you kids who don't know, uh, it, you know, you younger kids might know uh, Bill Clinton's brother. That was an embarrassment. But long before that, he had, he had uh, Billy Carter. Remind me, remind me. I don't remember Bill Bill Clinton. How could it be more embarrassing than Bill Clinton? I, I You know, it's hard for me to remember because uh, my brain's so pickled. But uh, I remember it was one of those things, you know, where he was just like a, just like an average schmo, you know, like, you know, you got a lot of families in politics where, you know, the other brother's successful too, and he's this or that, and then sometimes he's just like the fuck up, and that's what Roger Clinton was, I, I think that's his name, and that's what uh, Billy Carter was. Just and that's what Billy Diggler is. <laughs> nah, Billy Diggler's awesome. Nah, man, his brother was a successful porn star. Yeah, but with a name like Billy Diggler, I'm sure he's good at something. Well, I'll be the judge of it after you read that iTunes review. Yeah, well, he's definitely good at leaving iTunes reviews. Oh, well, then he's good. He's better than uh, Dirk Diggler. Uh, he he a, never left us a comment. Yeah, he gave Asshole. us five-star reviews. Him and his fake fucking rubber penis. <laughs> he gave us a five-star review. Yeah. My Sunday Fix. And Billy Dickler says... And, and he's I, an addict, too. I like that. And I quote, Thank you, Ralph and Ian. You guys are great. I listen to you every Sunday night before the weekly grind. Not only do they review metal records, but they do all kinds of rock as well. This is a must-listen for any rock or metal fan, from the hilarious Poison Take It Outside reviews <laughs> to classic albums as well. Thank you for introducing me to Armored Saint Revelation. Yeah. These guys are honest and don't hold back. Keep up the good work. You are appreciated. Much respect, Billy. Thank you, Billy. That was awesome. He is the better brother. Yeah, exactly. We need to do more Armored Saint, man. Billy is a bigger dick than his brother, and I love that. Yeah. Awesome. He measures up. All right, Billy. (laughs) So that's it, other than the other uh, review I ain't reading. (laughs) But it's five stars. But I ain't reading uh, so, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot to read it. I got to go read it. <laughs> but, 
But uh, I, I want to say Happy New Year to uh, all our listeners, and uh, I want to thank. Hey, wait, you for hey, all. hey, hey! I'm sitting here, Ian. <laughs> happy New Year to you too, brother. Yeah, whatever, man. Whatever. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for all the nice uh, messages I got. As I said before, I, I took like kind of a month off of fucking social media, but I'm back on now and uh, giving you guys all the pictures and the posts that you like. But I appreciate everybody writing in, man. I got a lot of heartfelt shit, and uh, it's nice to know that uh, people care and people appreciate. Uh, it meant a lot. And, uh, right on. Thank you, people. Ian yeah. needs it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's true. <laughs> but uh, anyway, I'm back, and hopefully, I'm entertaining and titillating you fine ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies, oh yeah, that's all right. We got two chicks that listen. That's right, that's right, and I appreciate. Yeah, we shot up to two. I appreciate each and every two of them. Yeah, <laughs> and I appreciate every four of them. You know what I mean by that, right? I'm talking about their tits. <laughs> I appreciate your tits, ladies. One, two, three, four. See, I'm good at math. I could do things. Not like everybody says. All right. Okay, so we're going to the news. And I am going to be uh, the dad or the Dom Brokaw that can't pronounce ours. How did he get that job? Seriously. Uh, how, did, how did a news anchor get a job where he can't pronounce ours? You're talking about Tom Brokaw. Yeah, Tom Brokaw, whatever. He can't. I, I never noticed that he can't say ah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be Tom Brokaw during this one. All right, what first. Would, well, what would ahead. happen? If, what would happen if Robert Redford wrestled Rip Van Winkle? All right, all right. <laughs> That's old. Robert Redford. <laughs> all right, first news: Metal Charge. <laughs> Uh, said that they are not going to charge VIP to anybody because they feel that it's their honor to meet their fans. What do you think of that, Ian? Uh, I think that's awesome. I, I think it's awesome uh, with a dash of uh, being realistic. I, I, I mean, uh, great band. I don't think they can command the money that a lot of these other people charge. Uh, but I think their heart's in the right place. and They got the right attitude. Uh, you know, too many people are doing that, that meet and greet, and it's just a way to subsidize uh, their income because nobody buys, you know, the albums anymore. And I get that. And, and some of these packages are realistic, and some of them are just like, you gotta be shitting. Uh, but I, to I totally respect them taking that because they could. They could charge a small fee and, and, and still make something. Um, but by just doing that, that shows you they really care. And a band like Metal Church, <coughs> at a certain level, uh, you know, they're not doing this because they're making a shit ton of money. They're doing this because they still have passion, because it's still what they want to do, and it reflects in them making decisions like that. You know, that just shows you, yeah, these guys really give a fuck or they wouldn't be doing it, because they're not getting rich. That's for damn sure. So I, I thumbs up, big thumbs up to Metal Church. I, yeah, I, 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 I see both sides. I don't mind VIP. Hey, if I can't afford it, I ain't going to do it. If I can't afford it, I'll do it, you know. But, uh, you know, but you know, by him saying that, I really I really like that as well. I mean, it didn't really rub off on me because Thrasher Dye is playing our first show and we got a VIP package. And I'm not ashamed, you know. You want to meet me? Six cents. You want me to sign that fucking album? All right, I'll give you a buck. Well, let me ask you this. I, I know you're not uh, 
you know, adverse to the idea, and and you've bought quite a few yourself. Um, but do you ever feel a sense of like, you know, get the fuck out of here when it's like absolutely ridiculous the amount they charge? Oh, of course. Like, you know, well, not that I would have anyway, but uh, the Kiss one is just bizarre. Right. You know, and <laughs> and there's a few other ones. It's just bizarre. You know, you, the the hey, amount they're asking. I, you paid an insane amount, in my opinion, uh, to meet Ozzy. Well, I share that opinion with you, Ian. Uh, you know, but, I, I mean, obviously, you know, you're such a fan. No, 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 no. Let, let's let's rewind. I already met Ozzy for free in 94 on the, when he was promoting Osmosis. So, the reason I bought the VIP that one was because of the Guns N' Roses girl. She was, that was her main... You know, her biggest uh, idol. She loved Ozzy. So right. for Christmas, I bought her a VIP and myself one. And uh, it cost me two grand. It was a grand a piece. Right. And now, I, I understand that, but I mean, do you feel like, even though he is, you know, a god to you and a fucking hero, did you feel a little bit like, really, dude, a thousand fucking dollars a piece? You know? I mean, nah, because. No, I, I didn't, dude. I mean, I'm a weird dude. I kind of like, I know that there was no gun put to my head. So if anybody's to blame, it's me, not him. You know, I, I don't have to do it. I, you know, the mentality of everybody like, oh, fuck them. It's like, dude, you don't have to do it. You know, it's like, uh, what, what are you going to say? Oh, fuck Maserati. They're charging way too much for the car. You don't have to buy it. You know, I just look at it this way, that way. You know, I, and I've gotten shit about the Gene Simmons vault. But the Gene Simmons vault, everybody's like, oh, I wouldn't pay that much for that vault. It's like, dude, I didn't, though. I don't really see myself pay myself. Because, I, I, look, when I bought that vault, I was like, this shit's going to suck. But I'm going to spend the day with Ace and Gene. And let me tell you, man, uh, Ruben De La Rosa, as my witness, man, we had a fucking blast, dude. It was so much fun. We spent, like, fucking eight hours with Gene and uh, Ace, and it was fucking awesome. It was such a great experience. And, you know, the chick that did their costume, this little Brazilian lady, and, you know, the guy, the, the son of one of the Bee Gees was there, and it, it was just such a great fucking experience, and Gene made us feel good. Ace was actually not as standoffish as he usually... Actually, Ace has changed a lot, though, because when I met him in Melbourne, he was very talkative, too, but, you know, I, I read reports of how standoffish he was, like, in Australia a few years ago, but it was a lot of fun, and... And I got the money. That's the that's the main thing. It didn't put me in a hole. Now, I understand people that don't have the money. Okay, I can understand that they'd be upset because they'd love to do it. Like, <coughs> excuse me. Like, when I was there at the Gene Simmons thing, there was this guy from South America. Big Ace fan. Had an Ace tattoo. He was standing outside dying to meet Ace, you know? Now, I feel for people like that. You know, that guy was just outside waiting. I don't know if he ever got to meet him or not. Uh, I told him, go to the back, dude. That's where they're coming in. So hopefully he did. But, um, you know, my point is, is that, look, man, uh, when it comes to Kiss and Ozzy, yeah, it's kind of unfair. But when it comes to, like, Udo, who I paid to meet, actually, the funny thing about the Udo thing, I got there late. I didn't get there during a meet and greet. And then he was eating in a restaurant, like, outside, like, right next to the club. So we just sat around until he was done eating. And then I got to take a picture with him. So I actually got, the, you know, the little meet and greet with him without paying. And, I mean, I did pay, but my buddies that were there, they didn't pay. But, you know, and it's so to me, I haven't had a meet and greet 
that I was disappointed in, to tell you the truth. The Ozzy was awesome. He talked to me for a while. And, and uh, who else? Who else did I pay big money for? Was there anybody else? I mean, the Ace Fraley wasn't that much. It was like 300 And I was very satisfied with that one. And uh, uh, But I don't think I ever blew like a thousand bucks to meet. Well, the Gene Simmons, what I just talked about. But I've done a few meet and greets now. I can't remember who else. Um, uh, I think, man, is my mind slipping or did I only do it twice or three times? I probably just did it three times. But I'd do it more. I would do it more. If I could meet King Diamond, I'd blow a thousand bucks right there. No problem, you know? But, um, but, me, but King doesn't do that shit. Um, unfortunate for me and the people that would do it. But, you know, it's fortunate for all the people out there that wouldn't do it and, and they, they don't have the money and they can go, yeah, Metal Church and King Diamond are the real deal. You know? But, you know, I mean, hey, look, to each its own. You want to complain, that's your opinion. That, I'm fine with it, but... I think it's drawing the line when you get attacked for it. It's like you can sit there and go, fuck that. I wouldn't do it. But then there's the people that people that do it are losers. Like, man, you know who the loser is? You, motherfucker, and your mom, and I want to meet her. You know, because uh, bottom line is, you know, you shouldn't judge people, dude, for something as stupid as that. Why not judge people for murder, molestation, and, and thievery? You know, it's like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge people because they're stupid. They do this. You know, fuck you. I mean, all those fucking people would buy something I would never buy. Now, I wouldn't call them stupid for that, but people suck. People just suck. Fuck them. That's what I think. You know what I mean? Yeah, fuck me. Fuck those type of people. That's, that's what I mean. All right. Next story. And boy, this one made me so happy when I saw this. Marty Friedman <laughs> came, came out and said his favorite singer, favorite rock singer, of all time is Guy Speranza from Riot. I was like, fuck yeah. If you want to talk about a guy that gets no fucking, you know, props and, you know, and he's been gone a long time. He passed away, fuck, like in the 80s, you know. And uh, it's just so cool that he uh, gave a shout out and talked about how important uh, Guy Speranza was to him and Riot and uh, thinks he's his favorite singer. And I don't blame him because Guy Speranza was fucking awesome. We need a we need a review. Fire down under and read it. Oh yeah, yeah, he's a fucking great, great, great fucking uh performer, dude. So uh, yeah, I thought that was a really cool story. You getting anything to add to that? Uh, just that I agree with it, you know. And I do. I, I love seeing uh, you know, people talk about less fans, you know, kind of like what we do here a lot, you know. And I, I mean, I don't mean lesser fans, but lesser known fans. And uh, I know we've turned. You know, through both of our shows, we've turned a lot of people on to Ryan. And, uh, you know, I, I discovered him actually through Eddie Trump. Uh, you know, and I never would have known about him. But uh, I, I love shit like that, you know. And, you know, just like the review we read where the guy said we turned him on to uh, Armored Saint Revelations and shit like that. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was Brian Davis that did it, not us. Right, right. No, but I mean, shit, I was turned on to it by his review. You know, uh, you know, I've turned on to just as much shit through this show as the listeners are. Uh, so that's awesome. But, you know, it's, it's great when um, a named artist says it because that gives it a little bit more, you know, credence than, than when we say it, you know, to, to a lot of people. So hopefully somebody that worships fucking Marty Freeman will go check out Riot. Yeah, man, maybe you'll get like seven more fans. Yeah, it's not like he's in Megadeth anymore. Yeah, that's a cooler story than him just talking about how he nearly auditioned for Madonna. Oh, did he? 
Yeah, you didn't see that story today? Nah. Yeah, he said, oh, he said he totally would have played for Madonna and would have loved it. But uh, he ended up taking the Megadeth audition instead. Yeah. You imagine. He's a weird fucking dude, but yeah. Yeah, well, he moved to Japan, dude. I mean, that's a big step, you know? Guy Speranza, man. Guy Speranza, dude. Rest in peace and rest in peace, Brett Forrester. You know? Yeah. These are, and Mark Real, the mastermind, you know? Right. And I should bring up that Riot is still going on without any original members. They call themselves Riot 5. Their last album is incredible, and they are coming to uh, O'Malley's, a club I've played several times, and uh, I'm excited to go there. I was, uh, you know, I think I told this story before, and I will say it again. And by the way, every listener out there that likes me, cross your fingers, because I might be going to the Sense of Metal Physique. Uh, there's somebody I know that's trying to sell a ticket, and I offered uh, what I could do, and he's saying, okay, let me see if I can get somebody to pay more. So everybody out there, you know, hope let's hope he, he finds nobody to pay more. Because fucking Accept is on it, dude. And I, I forgot who else. A shitload of killer bands I want to see. <coughs> but anyway, okay. The next story. Uh, Nina Strauss, that, that hot chick guitar oh. player. Hubba, hubba. Uh, she says that she would love to play with Metallica. Uh, if you guys are watching, I'm available. I, I hate to I hate to break it to you, Nina, but you got to be way more famous for Metallica to let you uh, play with them. You got to be Lady Gaga level. You know what I mean? Ooh. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, she's awesome though. I, I got her new album from Mr. X, and I haven't checked it out yet. I need to check it out. Yeah, she's an awesome player. I really dig her playing. She's fucking awesome. Yeah, and hot as fuck. Good God. Mm-mm-mm. All right, Twisted Sister. Uh, uh, Eddie, they asked Eddie Ojeda, why did they reunite? He said, because we were all fucking broke. Yeah. <laughs> I love the honesty there. Yeah, it's fucking awesome. It's like, uh, and it makes sense. But what are they going to do now? You know, they're going to go broke again, you know? Unless they, they, they saved those shekels and invested it. I'm, I'm sure J.J. French did, because he seems like the smart one in the crowd, you know? Uh, did you see that other shit about Twisted Sister, about how they're... Uh, yeah, something about some politician, right? Yeah, who was uh, using We're Not Gonna Take It as his uh, campaign slogan. Yeah, but, you know, it was from another country, so I don't care. I'm kidding, all you foreigners. <laughs> it's in Australia. And uh, apparently this guy is like the, uh, he's trying to be the Donald Trump of Australia, and his slogan is, make Australia great again. That's awesome. And, uh, yeah, let's make Australia great again. Let's bring back when the, the dingoes ate babies. Dingo ate my baby. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, but, uh, I mean, this is nothing new. He stopped uh, Donald Trump from using it uh, on his campaign. Really? Donald Trump wanted to use that one, too? Yeah, and he, and, you know, and he was friends with him. He did The Apprentice and all that shit. But then when he started seeing, uh, you know, a lot of Trump's beliefs and, you know, tied to white supremacists and shit like that, he's like, ah, no, no. <laughs> and uh, I, I think that's awesome, man, because I, I don't think that people should be able to use songs for your campaign unless that artist, uh, you know, is a supporter of yours and, and approves it. You know, or, you know, if they want to sell it, if they just don't give a shit and they want to sell it for a fee, but, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, you would probably hate if some guy was running for the, the communist party or whatever and he wants to use thrash or die, I'm sure you wouldn't be too happy about that. 
No, that's true, Ian. You make a lot of sense there. Yeah. But on the, but on the other hand, like in 2020, I hope Twist Sisters don't come after me, because my campaign, I'm gonna use Destroyer. No, I'm just kidding. On my campaign, I'm gonna use the Suzanne song because I want to fuck these white. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. If I become president, I want to fuck these white. And then you hear "You're Not Alone" in the background and shit. And I'll be fucking grabbing my penis with a picture of Suzanne and rubbing it on my penis. You know, you know I'm a shoe in. Trump is out, baby. Fuck is in. I think for my campaign, I'm gonna use Leader's Attack. So nobody votes and I don't have to worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's 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 a po- po- uh, career suicide, there, bro. <laughs> yeah, it happened once. It can happen again. Yeah, it can ha- happen to them. It can happen to you. All right, next story. Motley Crue teases Super Bowl Sunday surprise. Now, I did something very rare, and something that you do a lot. But I I was so bored at work. Because I've been doing so many long hours. That I actually read the comments oh. on the Twisted, on the Motley Crue one. Right. And man, people are dumb. I gotta, I gotta admit. Oh, especially on Blabbermouth. Um, dude, the Blabbermouth people are fucking idiotic. Because if you read the actual tweet, it has like a uh, you know hashtag uh, ad, which means it's a commercial, you know. But people are there. Oh, I hope they do the old stuff. You know, it's like. They think that Super Bowl's uh, Sunday surprise is them performing. Where, they, you know, the actual ad says, hashtag, you know, uh, ad. And plus, come on, man. Thrasher Die has a better chance of fucking, or as good as a chance, playing a, the halftime show than any fucking rock band. Well, here, you know? here's the thing it could be. Uh, I interpret it as, as a couple ways. It could just be Netflix is going to pay for some big ad for the new movie. You know, because it's going to be coming out, I believe, in March. So it'll be like roughly three weeks to a month after the Super Bowl. So it could be just something as simple as a commercial. Now, it could be that Motley Crue comes out with Maroon 5, who is the act uh, that's performing at the halftime show. But here's the problem. Uh, All all these artists, you know, it's funny because uh, the lead singer, Adam Levine, basically came out and said rock is dead rock sucks everything cool and innovative is being done in hip-hop nobody cares about rock anymore uh he put that tweet out or, or said that in an interview about a month ago and took a lot of flack for it but all these hip-hop artists none of them will appear at the halftime show oh because of the kaepernick guy yeah because of the kaepernick shit so all, all these black artists that he says are the that are the only innovators in music right now all of them turned it down because maroon 5 was by far uh, the first choice they went after all these other more high profile artists uh i know like rihanna was one and, and a couple others and they're all saying no so in the black community there's a big boycott of the nfl right now so this could be a last ditch uh effort to get somebody out to guess because that's what they're really into especially when they get artists that aren't like as legendary you know when you get a legendary act you don't need a special guest but you know that there was that time when fucking Aerosmith came out with Britney Spears and shit like that at the Super Bowl you know they always try to throw in a couple of like to try to appease a little bit different demographic it would be funny if it was Motley Crue uh because of what Adam Levine just said about rock being dead and then here you go 
and you get, you know, one of the most famous mediocre rock bands of all time <laughs> to come out and play. But yeah, I'm thinking either, it's either a commercial or they're going to come out. And when the guests come out, it's always for about a fucking song. Because, you know, none of these artists play, you know, hard, they hardly ever play a song in its entirety. It's more of a medley of shit. Uh, but, you know, Motley Crue <coughs> play some fucking kickstart my heart stupid shit. Nah, it's going to be girls, girls, girls. You know it. I don't know. Something like the, you know, the Super Bowl, I could see more of a kickstart my heart kind of thing. I don't know. Not me. I see either, it's either going to be girls, 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 or first band on the moon. I don't know. Either way, it's not going to be Hooligans Holiday. <laughs> so, who gives yeah. it? <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Just oh. just bring Karabi out. <laughs> That'd be awesome. But, uh, this, in all honesty, I could see this, or fucking, uh, you know, Maroon 5 doing one of their shit songs, and then all of a sudden, here comes Tommy on some stupid fucking drum roller coaster. And they do like uh, half a verse of fucking, you know, kickstart. Let's get naked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, the only highlight would be a fucking, while he's doing a drum solo, fucking Brandon comes out and beats the shit out of Tommy Lee. That would be hot. Yeah, I'd be the shit. <laughs> One guy in the comment wrote, uh, Vince Neil's going to be the new Goodyear blimp. And I didn't laugh at that. I was like, that's not nice. Oh, that poor man is fat shamed to all hell, but boy. Dude, but my God, has, uh, seriously, dude. Uh, if that guy makes it to 2020, I'll be surprised. Yeah, he's, he needs to do something. I feel bad for Vince. He looks like he's about to croak. Yeah, he's bigger than me, dude. He's, Man, that gut is fucking outrageous. Yeah, you know? It's like, Jesus. The, the crazy thing is, you know, it, it kind of seems weird for us to think about how old, uh, you know, our heroes and even people in Motley Crue are, uh, but I think Vince is like 58 or 59, you know, and, and and put it into perspective, think about how many, like, guys almost 60 you know that look like that, you know, he just has long hair and he's Vince Neil, you know, everybody remembers him, you know, from fucking 1983, but, uh, I mean, the guy's almost 60 fucking years old. Yeah, but still, the gut is just outrageous. Oh, yeah, no, it's getting big, but he don't fucking care, man. That's one thing about Vince. He don't give a fuck. Yeah, he don't give a fuck. He definitely don't give a fuck. He made a mint on those fucking reunion tours, and he's oh, yeah. living the good life, dude. No, and he, and he invests in, like, clubs and all that shit. He knows what he's and doing. And he, he can get pussy no matter what because he used to be Vince Neil. You know? So there's yep. there's always some dumb bimbo that's gonna fucking, hey, let me get some of that reunion money, too. You know? Yeah, and not to—I don't mean to fat shame, but boy, fucking Wolfgang Van Halen's girlfriend. Woo, is that girl hot? Oh, I didn't see a picture of her. Wow. Yeah, man. Yeah. You got a little fame, you get the hot piece of aces. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's... But uh, yeah, she's she's totally hot, and and uh, Wolfie did a tweet. This is a uh, not on Blabbermouth, but I saw this separately. Uh, hinting about the Van Halen reunion. Um, oh, did it hint? I just saw the thing where he said about, "Hey, start playing Running with the Devil at this time." Yeah, he said he said start playing Running with the Devil at 11:58.12 uh, seconds, yeah. and then you get to hear the killer scream right at midnight. Right. And uh, I, you know, also if you play any Van Hagar song at 11:58.12 by midnight, you'll be French kissing a guy. <laughs> But only if you're another guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no, girls won't. Girls, 
You'll be French kissing the floor. Oh, God. That's a terrible thing to even say about gay people. You know? I'm not... No, it's they're not gay. But they turn gay. <laughs> it's, a, it's a straight guy. I'm saying, you know, you... You know, a, a gay couple could, could go ass to mouth and still have better taste than being a Sammy Hagar fan. <laughs> well, yeah. I'm a, dude, I tend to agree with you there, man. You make a lot of sense on that one, bro. Yeah, look at... That's a, fact. That's fact times steroids. Who's gayer than Greg Barnes? And he ain't listening to that Sammy Hagar shit, you know? Greg Barnes ain't fucking no Mark Allen Taylor. Mark and Terrence should start <laughs> making out. <laughs> yeah, I love you guys, but you guys are homos. Yeah. Judgment Day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Judgment Day. <clears throat> now, nah, I love those guys. I, I didn't mean to bring that up, but honestly, you guys like fuck. You expect them to remain quiet on that shit? Hell no. All right, Brian May from Queen. Who? Uh, Brian May. Never heard of him. Uh, yeah, he, he's, uh, he's, he's got like this white afro, and he played guitar for this band called Queen. Damn fine guitar. Yeah. You, you might have remembered them from that song that goes, We will, we will rock you. That's that band, Queen. Uh, um, that's that uh, body language? Yeah, yeah, something like that, too, yeah. Uh, actually, uh, Body Language was released at the same time as We Will Rock You. I know this because I saw the movie with Amy and Rhapsody. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so... Uh, he died at 9-11. Huh? Freddie Mercury died at 9-11. Yep. Killed by uh, Eric Carr. Uh, yeah, he was a uh, terrorist. There you go. Not a lot of people know that. Go see the movie. Uh, yeah, go see the movie, yeah. yeah fuck, fuck the book. <laughs> fuck the book. Go see the movie. Yeah. At the end of the movie, Eric Carr shows up with a fucking with a bunch of grenades. You know, he just walks up to him and blows, blows them both to bed. And then Chuck Norris saves the day. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Norris, yeah. And Steven Seagal fucks it all up. <laughs> all right, so well, Brian May uh, just released a new music video for his first solo single in 20 years. And man, if you're gonna watch, go watch that video, fast forward it to the guitar solo. Woo! Did that suck? Yeah. Man, it was bad. And I don't know. I mean, he really, Brian May, really is to the uh, the outer space NASA shit. Cause you know we had Starfleet before. And, right. You know, it's, it's a video, it just shows planets, you know, you know, just like a planet video, music video, but Solo was cool, but man, that song was poor as fuck, dude. So I blame Adam, Adam Lambert, just the same way I blame uh, Sammy Hagar for neutering Eddie Van Halen's, you know, style. But uh, yeah, stay away from that. And another video that came out was Suicidal Tendencies released a video for All Kind of Crazy. I did not see that. I like the little... Breakdown when they go totally punk rock and shit. What's that on? Uh, huh? What album is that on? That, 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 uh, oh man, what's the name of that last album? I have it. I have it on vinyl. I forgot the name uh, of it. World Gone Bad? No, they did one after that. Uh, oh, oh, is that the one where it's the release of his solo album? Where they re- oh no, I don't have that actually. Yeah, you know what? I just clicked on Yeah, it's on Still Psycho Punk after all these years. No, I don't have that one. Yeah, that's, I couldn't uh, believe they did that. You know, like how they re recorded the first album? They re-recorded a solo album that released Psycho oh. Psycho. Uh, oh, I remember that one. I never heard it. Though. Yeah, uh, there, there was a couple good songs on it, but overall it wasn't that great. But yeah, he re-recorded it with the current version of uh, Suicidal. Um. Okay. Uh. 
Steven Tyler uh, donated more than half a million dollars in support of foster youth across the U.S. Hey, that's pretty cool. So he's buying kids like fosters? Like fosters beer? Yeah, man. He's being old school like he was in the 70s, like him and Ted Nugent. Oh, right on. Yeah. And he's got a gun. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah, molestations. Well, I don't know. I just think that's really cool that he did that. That's a that's a lot of loot, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot. Right. Uh, any yeah. charity, you gotta. That's respectable. You know. Must be American Idol money. I don't think Aerosmith is pulling that shit in anymore. Woo! All right, here now. Here's an interesting one. Leo Force says she was able to see her sons for the first time in nearly ten years. That's sad, man. Well, you know, let me tell you something. I don't. I'm not here to judge, but. I, I know this through experience, not of my own, because I I, I don't want to see my kids. <laughs> if I have any. <laughs> but uh, she lost custody of her two kids to a guy. You know, and that's very rare in the court system. You have to be a total fuck-up for the court system to side with a guy over... I mean, we all know that. I mean, you know this, right? Oh, no, no. I, I've, go, I've gone through it. I mean, I, you know... Uh, I remember I tried fighting for joint custody when he and my wife got divorced, you know. So, yeah, they almost always give it to the mother. And I see that. I, I You know, I read some comments on this one. You know, because as, as, as a father, I, I find the, the story very disturbing. Uh, you know, much like the Tommy Lee shit. You know, I know we do, but I find it very sad. Um, but I, I hate to jump, you know, a rush to a conclusion. You know, nobody knows facts except for the people involved and either way you look at it you know uh, a mother separated from her kids for that long and i can speak firsthand of how sometimes a parent can can do shit to brainwash a, a child and, and to damage a child uh you know I, I went i went through some shit you know uh so i'm, I'm a little bit more sensitive to that subject i'm not going to rush judgment on lead on that uh, I hope it's not true. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to. I'm just saying, if, if she lost and you know, and it was a legitimate loss, and man, there's something really wrong with her. But I'm not saying this. I'm just saying, very odd how a guy, especially that dude, yeah. that steroid-looking motherfucker, won those kids. Even you know, by appearance alone, that makes it even more bizarre that he got them. You know? Right. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm just glad she got to to see him. Now, if you read the whole thing, you know, it didn't go perfect by any means but uh you know I, I just hope someday it can all be uh worked out before it's too late you know yeah i heard they pig roasted it total incest shit going on there uh okay <laughs> <laughs> that's too disturbing for you even huh you, the motherfucking ki- her sons i gotta get off fucking internet porn <laughs> I'm brainwashed. I think all mothers fuck their sons. I, I, I mean, my mother fucked me. I, Your mother fucked me. I think we're we're watching totally different milk porn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I look. I, I always click. I always click on. I always uh, search for mom fucks sons. <laughs> I think it's hot when it's more than one son. <laughs> one son is very disturbing. It's like, oh my god, what do you do with your kid? But you know, you have two horny kids. You know. Especially some of those chicks, yeah, in the porn. I'd fuck my mom if she looked like that. 
Anyway, <clears throat> next story. Tony Iommi has begun remixing Sabbath's Forbidden album for 2019 release. Aye. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I, I'm, I, you know me, I'm a Sabbath fanboy, and I'm being uh, optimistic on this one, hoping that he fixes the flubs that are on there, you know? Well, no, I, I get that. I, I get that. But uh, that, why would you pick that one out of all the other uh, Tony Martin albums that people would love to hear, you know, a, a proper remix or remaster? There's, even though I'm not a huge fan of that era by any means, uh, how about like a really awesome reissue of Headless Cross would be better? Well, I think those, those sound fine as they are. The the Forbidden one's lacking a lot in not only production, but I'm hoping he fixes the songs. But I, hell, I mean, I, I gotta admit, I like Forbidden better than fucking Tear. Uh, you know, but... Oh, you're the guy that, yeah, that thinks that. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering where you were. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm the one guy. But uh, it just seems odd that that's the one, or, or, you know, it would be a thing where just do a box set with all the Tony Martin shit, you know, and, and do a complete overhaul. Well, maybe there's a lot of problems with uh, IRS records. Right, you know? but still, that one, that was the last one on IRS. And Stop I, I, correcting me! And I'm, I'm curious to see uh, if, if they remove the, uh, the Ice-T shit altogether. Uh, I, I know, you know, if you read the article, he talks about you know how that was kind of pressured upon him to be current, but while that was the recording of that album was going on, there was the negotiations already for the reunion, so he wasn't really focused and really didn't give a shit. You know, it's like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. Yeah, he he owed them an album. He just shit one out. Yeah, but it's got a couple good tracks on it. I like Death Kiss, and there's a couple other ones I liked on there. <clears throat> yeah. So I I mean. You know, I'll get it from Mr. X, you know, for sure. And if I dig it, I'll buy it on vinyl. But, uh... Yeah, me too. But, I mean, <clears throat> you're going to do that one, do all do all the fucking IRS albums, you know? You know, do Tear, do Headless Cross, uh, do, uh... Cross Purposes. You know, even do the live album, whatever. You know, but, you know, do them all, because there is a fan base for that shit, you know, especially in Europe, because that shit... They were definitely more power metal, I think, and, you know, Dungeons and Dragons shit uh, there. And that's why those albums were more successful over in Europe than they were over here. Uh, but it does have its fan base, and those guys deserve, uh, you know, proper remasters. They've done, you know, every other era, you know. Fucking go ahead and do it, you know. It's not like Black Sabbath get together anytime soon, you know. So, so what if you pick up this era now, you know? Well, speaking of Black Sabbath, uh... I saw, uh, again, I, I, I've been doing way too much overtime, and YouTube, it's like, man, hard to find anything. So then I saw a little a little thumbnail of Eddie Trunk talks about the unreleased Black Sabbath album, and I'm like, ooh, what album's this? So I clicked on it, and some caller called in going, Eddie, um, I understand that Ray Gillen did uh, an album with Black Sabbath. He's like, no, no, no. No, he just filled in for the Seven Star Tour. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Mr. The Voice of Metal doesn't even know that. And, you know, doesn't even know it was released. Because it was officially released with the, with the, the, the whatever, the anniversary edition, whatever that is. I have it. The Deluxe yeah. brings the Ray Gillen out. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, he didn't even know that. And it's like, and dude, dude, wasn't this guy friends with Ray Gillen? I know he was in the circle. You know, I know Ray Gillen's from New York. And was he? I just find, I find it so bizarre he didn't know that. Sammy Hagar, uh, Jason Bonham, and uh, Michael Anthony. I didn't know Eddie Trunk was in the circle. But it makes sense. Yeah, circle. Like, you know, the, the rusty bullet hole circle. <laughs> that should be the fucking album cover. A fucking, like, that typo negative album. The guy's right, uh, fucking spreading his ass cheek. That should be this. And put like the circle around it, like right the circle around the butthole. I, I'd like to get like a circle of circle fans, but I don't know if there's enough to make a circle. But just like be in the middle with one of those like machine guns that's on a tripod and spin around and, and take all fucking five of those motherfuckers out. Nah, that's not cool, dude. I hate bands, not fans. Uh, fuck the fans. All right, next story. <laughs> yeah, all right, Ace. <laughs> <clears throat> Death Angels, my, my, I always get this guy's name wrong. Mark Azeguedo. Azzi, Buglia. Yeah, Babuglia. <laughs> uh, doesn't, doesn't feel slighted by his band's exclusion from Big Four talk. Now, this is what gets me about this Big Four thing. Everybody's like, yeah, Anthrax shouldn't be on there. It should be this band. Dude, the Big Four has to do with who sold the most. Yeah. But, but people don't get this, man. They just don't get it, you know? Um, yeah. Sales equals what's better, you know? Yeah, to the big four. That's what the big four means. Well, you know, with sales, but yeah, man. I mean, I have a whole different perspective, and I'm not trying to be cultural, because I I do feel three of those bands deserve to be there if it wasn't for album sales, you know? Um, Because uh, I'll take Anthrax out of there and put Death Angel in there in a heartbeat. And fucking, or Overkill, or... or, uh, uh, Death Angel or Violence, you know, I mean, I think those three bands are way superior, but they did not sell as much, and I think Death Angel, too, is like, people just don't listen to new music, because if people were to listen to those last three, four Death Angel albums since they gotten back together, dude, they are so pummeling good, I mean, so amazingly good, these albums, you know, and I put them above fucking... You know, except for the first album. And I, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Frolic, but I loved Act 3. And I, I still think these albums are better than that album, you know? But people are just so stuck in the past. And if you bring up Death Angel, they'll just bring up Borg or Endless Seamless Time. Or, or even, you know, Ultraviolence. It's, a shame. it's also a little bit of an edge sword, too, because not only do you get older fans who don't stay up with what's going on and checking out these newer albums, uh, I believe you do have a small percentage of younger fans who, like, oh, that's an old man's band. You know, they're an old band. You know, I want to check out, you know, fucking uh, Five Figure Donkey Punch. You know, if it's not new, then, you know, oh, those guys are old. I don't listen to old guy shit, you know. <coughs> so, yeah. So there, I mean, there's a, there's, you know, there's, there's a big uphill fight there. But the people who take the time to check out those albums, they know what's up. Oh my god, it's so good. They got a new one coming out. Can't wait to hear it. But anybody out there, listen, click on the video Left for Dead from Death Angel. It'll blow your fucking, your circle out of your butthole. That's what I think. Alright, Sebastian Bach. I got actually two Sebastian Bach stories. One that didn't appear on Blabbermouth, but I'll go on this one first. Sebastian Bach to Skid Row. You've had seven fucking singles. Maybe your hard work to work. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, Sebastian has been on his best behavior because he wants to reunite with them so bad. 
But now he's like, fuck them, you know, enough. And now he's going back to the old Sebastian where he thought his solo career was going to take off, so he kept bashing him. But, um, yeah, so uh, the other story I read, and this one's really funny. Uh, Sebastian Bach said that they almost reunited, like, uh, I don't know, four or five years right. ago. But Rachel Bolin, did you hear this song? Rachel Bolin's best friend went backstage. Did you hear this song? Uh-uh. All right. Rachel Bolin's best friend was backstage, and he was fucked up out of his mind. He was really drunk, and he goes into the Sebastian Bach's dressing room saying, Hey, I'm Rachel Bolin's best friend, blah, blah, blah. And then Sebastian goes, Oh, yeah? And what the fuck's up with them opening for Tiffany? Which actually, I guess, happened. Oh, wow. Skid, Skid Row opened for Tiffany. And then the guy got all mouthy at Sebastian. And Sebastian goes, Get the fuck out of here. Not, you know, you, you didn't really know if that was Rachel's best friend or not. And the next day, fucking uh, Rachel texts Sebastian going, way to go, Sebastian. Uh, just when I, I was about to go in a room with you, you fucking kicked my best friend out of the, uh, the backstage area. And then Sebastian's like, dude, we sold a gazillion records and you're going to, because of your drunk friend, you're stopping this reunion now? Fuck you, you know? And then he got a text from Snake 2 bitching him out. And it's like, what the fuck, man? You know, it's like, you know, Sebastian just said to the guy, you know, what the fuck's up with them opening for Tiffany? You know? So, okay. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's ridiculous, man. It, but it just shows you how much hate there is there. Uh, you know, that... that now, on one hand, I respect uh, Skid Row. You know, for like... Just, they don't care. They don't want to fucking do it. But on the other hand, it's like... Just do it, because... Who gives a fuck? You know? without Sebastian. And to tell you the truth, I don't even really give a fuck with Sebastian, you know? It's like, you're fucking Skid Row, you know? This is like a bunch of fucking drama behind the original Bullet Boy to get back together. Like, yeah, I would see it, but only who gives a fuck, you know? Not fucking, you know, not this. Oh my God. You know? Yeah. You know, it's like, you're fucking Skid Row. You had a fucking moment, and then that's it, you know? Well, speaking of Kiss... And this is the final story, because I see uh, news stories after this we already talked about. Uh, Ace Frehley is considering putting out previously unreleased songs and demos, including from his time in Kiss. Now, let me predict this one. It ain't going to happen. This shit's never going to be released. I'm telling you this right now. It's too good to be true. You know, a bunch of solos that were cut out of The Elder. And, you know, I could see maybe him putting out unreleased material on what he did without Kiss. But they ain't going to green light that shit. They're just not, you know. And and plus, whatever he did for The Elder were cut out of songs. So uh, how are you going to release, what, just the solos? You know, it just doesn't make uh, no sense. Well, but, uh, in a way, it makes perfect sense to me. Because I think uh, he sees this cash grab that Gene did with his vault. Right. Like, man, if fucking some schmuck would pay two grand... For 12 CDs of unlistenable shit, I can do it too. Hello. An easy way to make some fucking money. And that that's what I think that is. He likes, you know, he's probably laughing at how Gene's making all this money for something that's really not even fucking good. Like, well, fuck, I can do that. I keep putting out albums that ain't even worth the shit people keep buying them. Let me do this and try to make, you know, a substantial amount more money. And I think he can do it. I think he can do exactly what Gene's doing. And people would fucking pay for it. The 
the same people who bought the fucking vault would buy his fucking vault. And it would be... No, I, I agree there, but I don't. Uh, what I'm saying is I don't think they're going to greenlight it as far as the Kiss material he did. You know, unless he records, uh, gets another band and record different music under it. But we're not going to hear, like, the solos that were on Elder songs that were cut out. I just don't see it unless he leaks it. And that's the only way we're going to hear it. Maybe know? they might let him do that if he agrees to come out on some reunion shows. You know, I could see a little tit for tat, you know. Who knows? Yeah, that's a good point. Maybe, uh, but I, I don't if, see If it. he did it, there are so many fucking ace nerds out there that would buy that shit up. Hello. Yeah, you know, and he could do the same thing, and I think that's what it is. I mean, look how he's kind of, he's really following Gene's mold. I mean, fuck, he even shit-canned his own band with his best friend's fucking wife on his deathbed. Because uh, he saw, hey, look, Gene's paying these fucking guys peanuts. And they're better, though. Yeah. I saw, I don't know if I ever brought this up on a, on a podcast. I don't think I did. I did see them. I saw the Ace Fairly Band at uh, the M Rock Fest, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Uh, and they blew away that fucking band that he had before. I mean, bad. I'm not saying they, they did it because that, that Gene Band, I mean, they're a great band. And, you know, I, I still find it, you know, kind of like, wow, you know, but uh, fuck it. I am so fucking sick of fucking this. Jesus Christ. I, I, I'll be so glad for this shit to be over. Yeah, right. Like, it's going to be over. And, and, oh, yeah, I forgot about KISS 2.0 with all new members. Uh, well, that's not going to happen. I, I, I have a feeling KISS is just going to go on. Right, but you, you know what I mean? No, I, I'm thinking once it's finally done and I, I have to stop hearing about these fucking schmucks, maybe 10 years can go back to <laughs> And I can listen to old Kiss records and fucking enjoy them again, you know. But I, well, I, I, still I gotta say, I was driving to work today, uh, and uh, Two Timer came on. And I was like, oh yeah, great song. Oh, I love that shit. Oh, I love that shit. But I mean, really, it's to the point where I'm just so sick of them. You know, like like I normally just they come on my phone and then just like skip, skip. But man, Two Timer then. Dun, 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 dun. You know, and I was just bobbing my head. It's like, man, remember when these guys were my fucking world? You know, that was a long time ago. Well, I still love them. I listen to Rock and Roll Over. I just got the orange vinyl. It sounded really oh, good. Oh, the one I got you wasn't good enough. I see. I see. Hey, they, they released some uh, limited edition one, man. Yeah. Orange yeah. vinyl. And I got a, I got a serious addiction. Yeah. You don't you don't like colored people or colored vinyl. Hey, that's that that's step in the line there, pal. You know me, I'm all about the black vinyl and the jungle fever. Grr, you know what I'm talking I saw about. That's other pictures. That's other pictures. Yeah. Grrr. Yowza. <laughs> but um but, <laughs> that's racist. Nah, hey, hey, no. You're the one that turned that racist. I'm the one that said it. Yeah, looky here. <laughs> Let's just say uh, some of it ru- ru- rubbed off on me, master. I like. Oh, oh funny's funny. Comedy's not pretty. Uh, anyway, so yeah, that's it. That's all for the news. All right, let's get into this awesome review for the Queen, Miss Jean Elizabeth. This is Tesla Mechanical Residence. Let's do it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's time to do the review of the 1986. 87, yes, 86, 86, yeah, yeah, I was right, 
the first Tesla album, Mechanical Residence. Uh, who who asked for this one, Ian? This is for the queen, Miss Gina Elizabeth. All right. Her Thank you, Gina. Her second one. That's how awesome she is. Yeah, the first one was Judas Priest, Screaming for Vengeance, and uh, this one's awesome as well. Hell yeah. I like this one. Uh, tell us when you first heard about this, uh, Ian. Uh, I first uh, heard of it would have been Headbangers Ball, seeing Modern Day Cowboy, and was just blown away. Had to go out and get it right away, and loved it. They were the first rock band I ever saw live when they opened up for Alice Cooper, and was very excited about that because it was supposed to be Megadeth. But actually, I, that was the show I went to was their first date on that tour. And I was glad because my dad took me. And I knew my dad would hate Megadeth. <laughs> you know, he, he barely liked any of the shit I liked, let alone thrash metal. Uh, so I was really excited staying outside the, the theater and seeing, you could see where the t-shirts were being sold, like Tesla shirts. Oh, awesome. Fucking Tesla rules. And they did. Unfortunately, that's the only time I got to see him. But uh, what a show. It's so cool that when we interviewed uh, drummer Troy Laquetta at the Rock and Pod Expo 2, uh, I talked about that show. He specifically remembered that show, as well as shows that you saw. Uh, so very, very cool, very cool guy, and, and a great interview that uh, hopefully we'll be able to get tacked onto this episode. Yeah, at the moment my computer's down, so it's in there. Uh, it's just a video card, but I got a build up a little money so uh if it's tacked on this episode uh because we waited a damn long time to uh, air this uh but if it's not tacked on it's because we couldn't wait any longer and it'll be up eventually in some form or another yeah it will put it on another episode if you don't hear it on this one but uh i first heard this on a short-lived uh show on mtv called the metal shop that was at three in the afternoon uh they debuted it there and i remember seeing it and i was like whoa look at these guys i mean uh, they're not wearing makeup, and they got t-shirt and jeans, and, uh, the song, uh, it was really good. It inspired me to buy the album, so. Then I bought the album, and then I'll talk about the album now, but, uh, yeah, Tesla. Very underrated band, and I'll explain why. Yes, I agree. Why don't you take track one? Track one, Easy Come, Easy Go. Hell yeah, I love Brian Wheat slapping the bass. At the beginning, I think this one is a great opener. It's a good hard rocker. And, you know, got to say, when I first listened to it, you know, I'm already liking the music, man. But when that voice comes in of Jeff Keith, I think he has such an awesome, you know, specific voice. To me, he doesn't sound like anybody else. It's instantly recognizable and fits perfect with this type of blue-collar hard rock that they uh, that they play. And uh, I, I just this one's a great fucking track. What do you think? Yeah, it is a great track. I agree with you. But I don't agree with you saying it's a great opener. Uh, I don't know. There's something about this song. I think it shouldn't open the album. But uh, I like the buildup in the verses, the way it just builds up. And the solos on this song is fucking awesome. These two guys are very underrated, as, as the band is. Uh, great fucking rocking song. I, I love the back and forth they were doing in the solos and uh it, it is a great track i you know i you know the only complaint i don't think it should have opened the track i think the next song should have opened the track coming at you live you know and uh when i saw him i, I saw him on this tour open for def leppard on the hysteria tour and they, they opened with this song and i saw them a few times after this 
and they open with this song as well except for the last time the last time i saw them with uh uh it was the def leppard sticks tesla show and i could be wrong but i think they they played man out of time medicine's medicine i think that's what they opened with i could be wrong but um wow this song fucking rules and uh it's fast it's fast paced it's just a rocking fucking song absolutely love this song a little side note uh lars ulrich is jamming to the song on the home video cliff them all where he's sitting on that couch that famous little house they used to live in that you see in the inner sleeve of master of puppets the whole band sitting on that couch and he's uh jamming to coming at you live uh on uh on this home video which i thought was pretty cool uh i love this song what do you think uh, I love it too, and, and I love how they spell "coming" like I do. <laughs> like, like they're they're coming at you live. Uh, yeah, nasty. Yeah, I like nasty though. Ew. Uh, <laughs> not me. Oh no, not you. Uh, yeah, but yeah, this is normally their opener. Nine times out of ten, if you see them, they're going to open with this, and this does make sense. I can see why you would want this as an opener, because I mean just even what it's talking about and the music would make it a good opener. I think the reason I don't mind as much though is because I think I like easy come easy go just a little bit above coming at you live. I love it, but I think I like easy come easy go just a little bit more. That's why I don't mind it, but I totally see what you're saying with why technically it would be a better opener just because of the way the song's structured. But it's a great one. It definitely lends itself to be an opening track when they're live. Again, not only lyrically, but the music. You know, the way it starts up, the build up, and then, you know, the kick you in the ass. So, you know, you're probably right about what should open up. I just like Easy Come, Easy Go More. But then we'll take the next one, Getting Better. Well, this one starts out like a, a pretty little ditty. Sounds kind of nice, classic rockish. And then it just kicks you in the ass. And uh, I love it. It's a short song. So, I, I mean, most of it's kind of the build-up, but I love it. And there's debate. Wikipedia is, is kind of arguing itself for what was released as a, a second single. Because they list both this and Little Susie as a second single, but if you look at the dates, this actually was the second single from the album. And uh, I think it's a good choice. But I don't remember seeing a video for this, but you say you remember one, huh? Yeah, yeah, they, they did make a video for this. And maybe I saw it back in the day but didn't remember. But uh, I think it's a great track. Just good blue-collar uh, classic hard rock. You know, not, nothing fancy, nothing, uh, you know, no poison shit here. No Bon Jovi shit here. Just, you know, this band's a lot more like a, you know, like a fog hat or something like that. You know, they remind me of that kind of shit. And I love that, you know, type of just straightforward rock. So I think it's a great track. What do you think? Fuck yeah. I love this fucking song. I think it's fucking awesome. You know, nice, acoustic, beautiful intro. Kicks into this kick-ass classic rock vibe. And, and the lyrics are total blue-collar blue shit. You know, inspirational. Like, you know, you know how much I love inspirational songs. Like, you know, this is kind of like in the same league as I am on me and fight the good fight. You know, it's like... And as I was talking about earlier, my whole computer problem is like probably the least of my problems now. But, uh, you know, I'm having a hard time here, but uh, a lot of problems mounting up on me. But, you know, no matter how fucked up life could be, it, it always gets better. But as long as you stay positive, you know, if you're like, oh, my fucking life sucks. Ah, I can't handle it no more. You ain't going to go nowhere. 
You gotta stay positive and plow through it. And even if things keep getting worse and things don't work out, you gotta stay positive, man. Because you know the only thing you really gotta worry about in this life is your health. You know that. You know if you get like a deadly disease, then yeah, you know, game over. But uh, as long as you know you can, you're, you're, you're healthy and and uh, living good, and uh, there, there's nothing you can't accomplish as far as uh, making life better. Even if you have to change your life with some fucked up things that happen, stay positive, and that's what this song says. And the video is uh, very blue collar looking too. You know, it begins with like a, you know, I haven't seen this video in ages, but as I recall. It starts off like, you know, with a mellow part, like a factory workers and sparks and chainsaws. I, I think I, I could be wrong. And saw blades. And then it shows the band rocking out outside of the factory, outdoors. That's how I visually remember this. But man, it's been so many years. I might have it. I might have it wrong, but I, I, I'm for sure there's a they're jamming outside with, you know, around twigs and bushes and stuff like that. Kick-ass song. I dig it. All right. I'll go to the next one. It's called Too Late for Love. Uh, I think this one's another great track. Another slab of hard rock. I think it's Jeff's best vocal performance on this album. He is just belting it out on this one. And the band is kicking ass as well. It's a solid tune. You know, uh, I really dig Too, uh, Too Late for Love. What do you think? Eh, this one's kind of filler to me, but I can dig it. Uh... N nothing offensive. Uh, it, it starts out, you know, uh, you know, it, I like the music. It, it's the chorus that kind of gets me on this one. Uh, to me, it, they kind of dumbed it down on this one. This is like, you know, Motley Crue level uh, chorus. But other than that, it's a good rocking song. But definitely, I wouldn't call it a standout track. And I'll take the next one while we're at it. Uh, Rock Me to the Top. Now, this one, I don't know, it's kind of almost like Too Late for Love for me. Uh, I would consider it a filler track, and that's something Tesla uh, has always done. I love Tesla, but to me, every one of their studio albums is too long. All of their studio albums are like almost an hour or over, you know, and they, they always break my, you know, my rule of 10. And, you know, I think. 10 tracks or keep it like between 35 you know 40 minutes tops uh and and i think all their albums would be improved by that and uh yeah just this is an example uh you know too much too much you could have trimmed this one you know would have made a great b-side i think but as it stands on its own rock me to the top just doesn't do it for me what do you think yeah, I, I think it's just okay. I don't think it's bad at all, actually, but it is uh, kind of dated sounding with that rock. Yeah. You, know, there, you know, there's so many songs that that had rock in the 80s, you know, and, uh, you know, I don't think it's up to the standards of the first four. Uh, you know, it's been done many times, the rock. But, you know, it is 80s, you know. It's passable, but, you know, nothing really to write home about. But, eh. I know we're breezing through this one, but fuck it. I breeze through it. Fuck it. We work hard, Ian. That's right. We've been doing this forever, these these uh, requests. But even though this one's a, you know, special request because, you know, it's a female. And, and we will make up for it because this is either going to be chock full of an awesome news intro or it's going to have the incredible 
uh, Troy Lucetta interview. So either way, you know, you're going to get a great episode. Man, I think the review is going to be good. It's just we're kind of breezing through it. But, hey, what do you want? We've, and, already, you know, we've already done it once. We yeah. should bring that up, too. <laughs> I also had to bring that up. Uh, we did this, and it's stuck in my computer, so we're doing it over again. And I'm uh, sober, so I'm not rambling as much. <laughs> well, there you go. And I'm sober, too. But I'm always sober. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, all right, the next one's called We're No Good Together. Uh, this one does absolutely nothing for me. Yeah, I get it. The bluesy, sad relationship song. You know, it's not bad, but it, it do, just doesn't tug on my heartstrings. It's more of a chick song for me. Uh, you know, it's tailor-made for the females. You know, I've heard this type of song done a million times, and all those songs that were done like this uh, never did nothing for me as well. This song is just not my thing. What do you think, Ian? Um, I like the lyrics of it. You know, because I think everybody's had that relationship that they're talking about in this song. And I think, you know, the way they wrote it and describe it is very good. But musically, it is so forced and so dated. I mean, there's there's some, like, keyboard shit you hear in this song that you hear in no other song uh, on this album. And it just sounds like this was kind of a, a safety net. Like, oh, my God, this... Cause, you know, this is the era of the ballad, even though it's kind of the dawn of it, but still... It's like, look how much success, you know, Motley Crue had because of Home Sweet Home. And that was the real game changer, I think. You know, after that, then you even saw the the formula begin of the hard first song. And then the second single was a ballad. And just every everything, everybody had to have that one. And with them putting it on here, it, it just seems forced and contrived. And, and this is a band that should never do anything forced and contrived because... It goes against everything they did. I mean, it would have been much easier for them back in this time to, to dress like women, <laughs> you know, and to have all that shit. But they did it. They went against the grain, and they went with the natural fucking look. And I think they should have went with the natural music. Now, I could be way off, man. Maybe they love this song, and it meant a lot to them. But it don't mean spit to me. Phil, you just mentioned <laughs> a stupid kiss song. I know, right? It don't mean spit to me, old. That's what it sounds like he's saying. Like, what the fuck? But hey. Revenge is awesome. Oh, my God. Best album without the makeup. Oh, oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Can we say something right now? Because everybody loves it when we interject with kiss stuff. Go ahead. Uh, did you see that train wreck of Ace playing Darklight? Yes. Uh, Holy well, shit. You know, you're exaggerating, dude. It was bad, but... You just love to slam Ace lately. I, I, I even noticed you slammed Spaceman even before it came out. I know this is going to suck. But I'll tell you this. This is what I think of, of Dark Light. He got some of the solo right, and he didn't. And he got some of the solo really wrong. I think the problem with that was he needed to rehearse that more. And him not, and them putting the lyrics on the side, because he didn't know the song that well. That he couldn't even sing it because he, you know, he couldn't see well, and they placed the lyrics wrong, and uh, but it, you know the band played it great, and and for what it's worth, with hardly any practice of it, I you know I thought it was like you know I expected it to be that bad, but I thought it could have been way worse. He did a little bit of that shredding that I don't I didn't think he would be able to do like toward the end when he was doing the real fast part. That part he nailed, but the rest of it yeah was well, pretty much horrible. I, I, I give the backing band. I mean, I, I think they were spot on. They, they nailed it. I can't wait to see them next week. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, they're, they're a great band. And, and, and with the 
with the vocals and, and I mean they took their time they knew that song and I thought Ace's voice sounded good but just the overall delivery now now granted you know he probably didn't practice all that much but Jesus if you're gonna do it he should have and I and and I don't know I thought that solo was like nowhere near but then again I'm not as huge of a fan of that solo as a lot I think it's his most shredding solo ever yeah, I, I don't know. It just sounds too all over. I mean, it, to me, it sounds like something that couldn't be repeated. Yeah, but, you know, uh, I mean... You know, because it, 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 it doesn't sound thought out. I, I think the hardest part of the solo, he, he did pretty good. Because the, the most fastest part is at the very end. But, yeah, there were parts where he was going... Where he should have been hitting some notes there. I was like, oh, fuck. And, and the first thing I saw when I saw that, I thought, this guy didn't practice this that much. I think he probably practiced it on the boat. Still hope next week they don't play it. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but, but I, you know, I think you're going to get to hear Rockin' with the Boys. It seems like that's the only Unfor- new one Unfortunate. No, he played Bronx 4 in the second track. Second set list. Which oh. I like that one. Okay. So, um, well, whatever, you know. It is. I almost said that saying I hate when people say. but all right why don't you take the next one modern day cowboy all right we are flipping this bad boy over and playing what is my all-time hands down favorite tesla track modern day cowboy uh just a great hard rocker a perfect fucking track and uh i love tesla i wish they had more like these uh and, and they do have a lot of great tracks don't get me wrong but uh, I've never heard anything else that grabbed me quite as good as Modern Day Cowboy. Heaven's Trail's damn close. I love that one a lot. Uh, but to me, nothing ever topped Modern Day Cowboy. Again, <laughs> just a perfect, perfect 80s hard rocking song. What do you think? Well, I love this song, dude. This song is what made me buy the album. When I saw the video, it's just kick ass. And, and the lyrics are very uh, of the time, which, you know, look, look at the name of the song. Modern Day Cowboy. You know, it's a song about the Cold War, you know, the USA, the USSR, you know, and uh, listening to this, man, it has aged so well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just good meat and potatoes, you know, jeans and t-shirt, kicking ass hard rock song. think the video is really fucking cool, and uh, I really love it, but it's not my favorite song on the album, uh, but, and, but we haven't got to that one yet, but I really like it. I'll take the next one called Changes. This song fucking rules. You know, this is one of the songs I totally forgot about because when uh, Gina asked us to review it, you know, I have it on vinyl. You know, I haven't put that vinyl on in ages. And when I put it and this song came on, I was like, oh, fuck, I remember this one. You know, uh, you know, it's just so fucking good, you know. Um, I I love it. This is my second favorite song off the album. Modern Day Cowboy would be my third. Uh... But I, I absolutely love it. Changes is, is fucking classic. What do you think? Oh, yeah. And I agree with you 100%. A lot of this was like listening to a new album for me. Because, I, you know, I mean, what? It came out, what, 30-something years ago. You know, 32 years ago? Almost 33. Look uh, at you with the map. Look uh, at the brain on Wadley. <laughs> uh, you, you know, and this was something I, you know, I had it on cassette, of course. And I don't know if I ever rebought it on CD. I played the shit out of it when it came out, but I know, uh, you know, I ended up playing uh, 
Great Radio Controversy and uh, Psychotic Supper more, you know. And so it was like hearing, hearing a brand new album on a lot of these. And this was definitely one of them. But as soon as I heard it, I did remember it. Some of these I didn't, but this one I did. And I was like, wow, forgot how great that was. And talk about one that could have blown up as a single, you know, especially back then. And they even have a greatest hits album called Changes, you know, something and something, you know, in parentheses. And it makes sense, man, because this is one of their greatest songs. Really, really fucking good. Definitely a lost classic, should have been a single type song. Uh, this one definitely went on, you know, I put the whole album back on my phone, you know, after doing this review. It's like, fuck, I need to listen to this more. Because it is a really good album. And uh, fuck yeah, it changes, man. Well, I'll take the next one. Little Susie, which I had no idea till a long, long time after it came out that this was a cover. Because uh, it just sounds so Tesla. It fits in with what they do. This was uh, the third single, because this one was released in March of 1987. And, uh, man, just the perfect song for them. And I'm surprised they, they knew it, because I, to this day, have never heard the original uh, you know, so they picked an obscure one to, you know, it's not like, you know, a lot of bands, you'll see them cover a song that's already famous, you know, because they're halfway there. Uh, they, you know, they went the other route. Hey, we'll play something that, that a lot of people don't know. And uh, it worked out because this is still one of their most well-known songs and most beloved songs when they when they play live. Uh, a perfect fucking Tesla track. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I love this fucking song. And I found out it was a cover five years later when uh, MTV uh, celebrated the 10th anniversary and uh, when they played the first hour of the broadcast, uh, they played the video of the original band doing this, a band called PhD. And uh, man, I mean, I guess it's because I heard the Tesla version first, but boy, that version just got awful to me. <laughs> you know, it's in the vein of, you can dance if you want to. Oh yeah. Too, uh, know, I got I gotta hear it now. <laughs> yeah, you might like it. Yeah, no uh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's that that vibe, you know, the, the, all the fucking. There's not. It doesn't rock. It's all simple. As I recall, synthesizing shit. But uh, yeah, I fucking love this song. It's uh, it's just a feel good song. It's it's a happy tune and uh, gets you rocking and. Uh, it's just a great vibe and it rocks and you know and this, this is why I think they are extremely underrated because this song should be a staple on classic rock radio you know that you know it should be on the radio instead of Jack and Diane in the summer of 69 oh my god <laughs> if I hear those songs ever again I'm just gonna beat the fuck out of a little kid <laughs> but I but this song fucking rocks it's great and uh, I just love it I love the little acoustic uh little interplay they do in the beginning is that part of the song or i don't know i don't even remember but i i know it, it starts off like you know like an instrumental then it goes into ding 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 great great fucking song totally awesome and uh it, it really like you know from uh, modern day cowboy uh, you know they, this getting better might have been the the second single but i remember little susie was the second video. I didn't see getting better till after this video. So as far as MTV goes, and I think MTV is more important in the '80s than what was released as singles. Oh yeah, you know, it, especially for hard rock, you know, because even if it was a single, chances were you weren't going to hear it on the radio. 
And plus, even if it was on the radio, MTV was the radio station for the whole country. You know what I mean? You know, it's like not select markets. So I think MTV was way more important at this time. And this was uh, technically the real second single. And it really did, uh, it really did raise their profile. You know, it's just a great fucking song. I love it. I'll go to the next one. It's called Love Me. Yeah. Uh, I can't really say it's bad, but this really does nothing to me, for me. You know, it's not terrible, but it's surrounded by way better songs, you know. But, you know, I'll say it's better than We're No Good Together, but that's not saying much. I, I'm not a fan of this one. What do you think? Oh, by far the worst song on the album. This one is definitely Motley Crue level. This is like this is like a girls, girls, girls B-side. That's how bad it is. Uh, it just uninspired. Uh it sounds like some maybe you know it is her first album, so maybe this was like some come came from the club days. Uh, I don't know, but it, it, again, the album as good as it is, there definitely could have been some shit trimmed, and this by far is one should have been trimmed. This this should have been a, a Z side. Not a fan of this one, uh, which makes it the polar opposite of the next song, Cover Queen. Now this one I think is a. Is a hidden gem on this album. It's a great album track. It's not a single. Uh, you know, it's not quite as catchy as, as some of the other shit on here. But it's a good '80s, just a hard rocking track. And 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 what you want out of a non-single in, in an album? Something you know keeps the flow going. Not everything can be you know the best song, but you need songs like this to you know so you don't lose interest. I love it. I love it. Uh, I love the little talk box shit in it. There's some sound effects shit in it. All kinds of shit. Big fan of Cover Queen. And this was one that I didn't remember one iota. <laughs> but I love it now. What do you think? Yeah, this is one I didn't remember as well. And I do like it more than uh, Love Me. You know, the song structure is okay. But I think the problem of this song is Jeff. I think uh, he's the problem here because... I don't think Jeff takes it over the top. I think he holds this song down. But yeah, I agree. The middle section with the talk box, fucking awesome. You know, they should have made this fucking song an instrumental, man. Uh, that because that part sells it, man. But you know, that's why I'll put it over "Love Me" and uh, I'll, yeah, and of course I'll put it over "We're No Good Together." But eh, uh, it's not one of my favorites on here, and it's one I don't remember. Like "Love Me" and "Cover Queen," I don't remember. But the last song, oh yeah, I remember this one. They saved the best for last because this is my favorite song off the album. Before My Eyes fucking rules. Now here, Jeff delivers. And I can feel his sore pour out of his voice on this one, you know. Love the trippy middle section. You know, I'm not sure if this is my favorite Tesla song because it's been a long time since I've heard Paradise off the next album. And I remember loving that one too. Uh, so I got to go back and listen to Paradise, see if it's better than Before My Eyes. Uh, if not, then, you know, Paradise is my favorite test of yeah, song. I don't remember that one, and I used to play the shit out of that album, but I only remember the singles off it now. That would be oh. another, like, a new album to hear again. I, I got to listen to, to, yeah, I own that one on vinyl, too. I got to put that one on. Nice. Head. But, uh, yeah, Paradise, is a great, I remember that song being fucking awesome. But Before My Eyes, man, you know, I remember when... I got this album back in the day. This one stuck out. I mean, it was my favorite the first time I heard it. You know, but um, yeah. Uh, for now, this is my favorite Tesla song until I put on 
uh, great radio controversy. But I absolutely love this song. It's fucking awesome. Awesome way to end the album. What do you think? Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, my second favorite song on the album. And technically, it's probably the best song on the album. I'm just so, I have such a emotional attachment to Modern Day Cowboy that nothing else will top it, even if it's better. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I, I should say that Modern Day Cowboy is my favorite, but this is the best track on the album. Uh, I think would be a fair assessment. Did not remember this song one fucking iota. But holy shit, I'll never forget it now. Uh, really got thrown away just just by the, the epic scale of it. You know, makes it kind of stand out where, you know, the rest is meat, potatoes, rock and roll for the most part. Uh, you know, even, even the ballads are kind of just, you know, blue-collar ballads. But this just has that epic feel to it, man. And, uh, I mean, I, I got to go back and check out some of the other, you know, the, the albums I don't know as well and see if they've ever done another track like this because they do it perfectly and if they've done it once they can do it again uh, hell yeah perfect way to end the album perfect way to fucking end it uh, and and what a what a classic album I hope this review makes some people you know it, they've never got into Tesla you know to give them a chance or you know if they just forgot about it go back and check it out man specifically because of songs like this uh you'll be thanking us right on all righty well that was our quick and to the point but uh good review of mechanical Re uh resonance uh it was released december 8th 1986 and that's probably why i you know kind of attribute it much more of an h7 <laughs> album because it damn near was uh, did go platinum in October of 89 based on uh, you know the strength they really they, they had a good buzz about them with this album but they really blew up on uh, great radio controversy and and even more so after Love Song became a hit that really kind of skyrocketed them plus touring with Death Leopard didn't hurt they toured with Death Leopard a lot and, and you know when Leopard was at its peak as far as concert sales and everything uh, produced by Steve Thompson and Michael Barbarino. I don't know how to pronounce that. But uh, those guys would do, the I think, the first three, three or four albums would be produced by them. Uh, just a great fucking album, man. And check out Tesla. And if, and if you get a chance, see them live. I haven't seen them live recently, but you said they still got it, huh? Yeah, they were great. They were awesome. I, I, really, I really did enjoy their set. I mean, uh, Jeff lost a little bit in his voice, uh, but, you know, that goes with the territory, you know? Yeah, and he, like that, you know? And, and he is the oldest member of the band, right. uh, you know, by by a couple years. But uh, I would like, man, if I got the chance, I would definitely, definitely love to see these guys again. All righty. Well, now it is time to go into Pick of the Week. And do you have a Pick of the Week, Ralph? Do you remember yours when we did this episode before? Yes, I do. What was it? Uncle Acid and the Deadbeats. All right. Uh, yeah, Wasteland. That is my pick of the week. And I, I got to tell you, it was maybe two or three weeks ago we did this review initially. And uh, the album had just been released. And I'm loving it more and more every time I hear it. I usually have... Uh, it takes a while for me with their new albums. And I always end up loving them, but... Their first two are the only ones I got like right away, and and 
the the last three I've been like, ah, eh, it's 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 not as good as the first two, but I still like it. And then the more and more I listen to it, like, oh shit, I see what they're doing here. Oh my god, oh my god, how did I get this at the first listen? And uh, oh my god, it's it just blows me away. I think another thing is they've never done a an album with the same lineup. So that changes too. And they they always try to do some different stuff, but this one really fucking works and uh big fan. Big fan of this and I'm finally going to get to see him live. Going to go to Dallas and uh see it with Donnie Allen bought me a ticket. Awesome. Yeah, so I get to not only meet him, I've never been to Dallas before and uh yeah, I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. Kick ass. Well, I also remember the pick of the week I had because uh you had the audio to this, and you sent it to me, and you were so low, so I couldn't fix it. But I did listen to it again, to take notes again, you know. Um, I'm going with uh, my least favorite album from the 70s, from this incredibly awesome uh, 70s band. Now I remember. Uh, yeah, you remember. Uh, it's Draw the Line, Aerosmith. And the only reason I put this, like, you know, at the bottom of the 70s shit is, like, Bright Night Fright and Milk Cow Blues is nothing for me. Right. The other ones were just solid from beginning to end. Even the songs that I'm burnt out on are still fucking massive. But, dude, you take those two songs away, you got fucking the title track, Critical Mass, man. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I want to know why the, the the grossly underrated Sight for Sore Eyes yeah. fucking rules and the Hand Feet and my favorite on here, Kings and Queens. Yeah. Uh, what a great fucking album. And this is a band, like, really at the height of their drug use and... And fucking, uh, I recall reading that book, Walk This Way, while they were recording this. They were, like, recording in some house where they had, like, guns shooting at walls. They were, you know, doing mountains of cocaine. It's just pure debauchery, and it's amazing they made such a kick-ass album. You know, I guess you can equate this with Sabotage from Black Sabbath. They were all fucked up then, too, and look what they released. Uh, God damn, this is a great album. I, I listened to it the other day. Uh, well, a couple weeks ago before we did this review in its entirety, and I'm like, man, this uh, this band was so kick-ass in the 70s. You know, that you know this is their worst album of the 70s. I mean, according to me, not according to Mr. Draw the Line fan out there that's getting pissed off at what I say because you're an insecure twat. Get over yourself. Thank you. <laughs> I love it. Draw the Line by Aerosmith, released in 1977. And it's... Uh, yeah. It's awesome. I love it. I need to go back and revisit it because it's definitely my least listened to uh, out of the 70s. You'll get a kick. It, 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 it does rule, man. Take out those two songs. Yeah. And both songs is what ends side, the, each side of the album. And uh, But I, I, you're absolutely right about the standout, man. Uh, Kings and Queens. I just remember uh, when I had the greatest hits, the first one, you know, with the red cover, came out in 80. Uh, every time Kings and Queens would come out, it just stood out from all yeah, the other tracks. Yeah, but that sucks because uh, it didn't have the intro. Right. Uh, the the red greatest hit started like right before the lyrics started. Right. Like, what the fuck? Why did do that? Right, you but know? that that's how I first you know, you know it was like a bonus when I heard the the original, but I already liked the song. But to me, it just always stood out because uh, it was just so different. You know, it had a whole different feel than all the other tracks on it. Still to this day, get goosebumps on that one. Fuck yeah. Uh, awesome. All right. Well, now it's time to go into Fan of the Week. As we already mentioned, it is the Queen, Miss Gina Elizabeth, uh, a hardcore fan from the very beginning and uh, listens to every episode. 
whether it's what she's into or not, and you know, stuck by us. And oh, she swears up and down we're going to see her at Rock and Pod three, and I'm going to hold her to that. I know there's a lot of other people would love to meet her. Just a cool chick. She sent me a message just the other day. She was listening to my show while she was out and about, out and getting her car washed. But she made sure to tune into the radio show, and uh, you know, you, you got to appreciate shit like that. People that always make time for us and uh, you know enjoy what we do. And we thank her very much. Thank you, Gina. Two great picks. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. This, this and uh, and Screaming for Vengeance and last year she picked Love Gun. Uh, th- these are all reviews we, we look forward to. And trust me, we, we don't always look forward to all of them. <laughs> but we did all of your picks. Yeah. So thank you. And we can't wait to see what you pick next year. Well, this year has been a much better picks, I gotta say. Last year was Last year was good, too, but, boy, there were some bad ones, Nate. Uh, <laughs> and we still got a lot to go. Yeah. We got, oh, yeah. Every day, I realize I still got to sit down and make a list of everybody because every time I think I, I, I got it narrowed down to what we got left, uh, here pops up two or three other more. But what do you expect when we raise the most donations? <laughs> we, got, we got the most work to do, but we do it, and we appreciate you all. Yeah, man. We, you know, in the end, man, I enjoy doing it for you guys. Yeah, because they, you know, we gal. Yeah, because <laughs> we uh, we really enjoy going to these expos and have a lot of fun, and we couldn't do it without you guys, and that's damn true. Uh, this this shit wouldn't happen without you guys. So thank you. Muchas gracias. Yeah, what he said. Ian es Maricon. Man, what up with the Marty Cohn shit? Who is Marty Cohn? Marty Cohen. He sounds like a Jewish. No, sounds like a Jewish lawyer. It's an older Jewish lady. You are oh. Matty Cohen. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oy vey. All right. Well, now it's time to get into the plugs. Hi, I'm Dr. Fuck, and I want to tell you about Miami Metal Merchant, where you can get your albums for good, decent prices. That's www.miamimetalmerchant.com. Check it out. There, I did that plug. Ian. Hey, nice. I like that. Now let's go to the other ones. All right. Greetings, Troubled Nation, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I'm Renee Komen, and every week I sit down with my co-host, Manny Chevrolet, in New Orleans' notorious ring room to discuss good times and air grievances over cocktails. You're no, here. I'm here for the free drinks. I'm here for the free drinks. <laughs> yes. We are the Troubled Men for Troubled Times. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Those poppers worked. <laughs> this is the Troubled Men Podcast. Join us, won't you? Yeah, come for the oysters. Stay for the white privilege. Find us on Apple Podcasts and all social media. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hello, folks. This is The Rock Sponge, Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast. Join yours truly every week as I look at a different classic rock and or metal album that had an impact on my life and or rock music in general. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two. And there's no country or rap or techno bullshit on the show because I hate those fucking music genres. Techno and rap and country sucks. So if you want a kick-ass rock and roll podcast, check out the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast every week on YouTube and now on Podbean and iTunes. So yes, folks, I'm available in two different, three different ways. Podbean and iTunes for the audio and YouTube for the visual. Thank you very much. 
Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina. Skitter Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show, airing here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right. I've been doing this for years on that metal station, and you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this blue-collar episode... Come back next week when, once again, the fans rule. It's a fan-picked episode. What's it going to be? I don't know. Fuck if I know. <laughs> but you picked it, so you better listen, you son of a bitch. And like it. <laughs> That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Hoo-yah! Who's Matty Cone?